Good morning. Please turn to James, the book of James, for our preaching this morning. Chapter 5, verses 13 to the end. James chapter 5, verses 13 to the end. Reflecting on the member's privilege and the implied elder's duty. The member's privilege, the implied elder's duty. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The purpose of James chapter 5 is to encourage the suffering Christians. Christians who are going through difficulties, you will notice that this is one of James's major thrust, so that even as he begins the book, that's basically how he begins directly encouraging the suffering. Verse 2 of chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet sufferings of various kinds. Is writing to encourage people that are going through difficult times. Suffering either because of being oppressed, as in chapter 5, verse 1 to 8, those who are working for the rich, they are not giving them their rightful wages. Is writing to such men to encourage them. Or suffering because of enduring evil or hardships. Because we live in a corrupt world, James is writing to encourage us. Or suffering because of weakness or affliction, 
as a result of direct sin. So whether this is suffering because we're sinning, or this is suffering because of sin in the world, this is suffering because of wrong people over us, James is writing, in particular in chapter 5, to encourage such people. James is writing to encourage the saints, and exhorts them to endure suffering patiently. He's writing to strengthen them, to encourage them, but he's writing also to show them how to go through these sufferings. So he's exhorting them to endure suffering patiently, not with grumbling. And this they are to do in the hope that they have as they wait patiently for the coming day of the Lord, which will reverse all injustice and all suffering with the prophets and Job as examples of enduring suffering, patient and not with grumbling. Verse 7, read with me to 11. As he says, this is how you suffer. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmers wait for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by the heaven or the earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. All that is to tell us this is how you suffer. Notice many times as you go through suffering that we do want somebody to blame. and We do want to cause them as much pain as they can endure. I remember where it's probably in Western province where somebody basically was beaten to death simply for being old because they were accused of being responsible for the death and misfortunes of that community. James is saying when you go through suffering, suffer patiently and faithfully. James positively exhorts his readers to the right use of the tongue. He does give us a warning in chapter 5. He has the wrong use of the tongue. Don't be a grumbling bunch, but be a worshiping congregation. And so he says in this passage, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. In other words, employ your tongue in this use. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And it's in that context we have the exhortation to the elders as a duty implied and an exhortation to the congregation 
as a privilege. So James positively exhorts his readers to the right use of the tongue or speech, which is praise, prayer, and confession. Instead of grumbling, which is an example of not taming the tongue. You notice again he discusses the use of the tongue, chapter 1, verse 26, chapter 3, a whole section, verse 1 to 10, and here he closes with it again. This morning, therefore, the context of inducting elders, reflecting on what is one of our privileges, by the virtue of the establishment of this office, what is one of our privileges as members by virtue of having this office established? And as elders, what is one of our duties in this office and all that comes along with this exhortation? Now, I would like again to encourage the members of this local church I'm not sure why only Christians are less interested in the things that govern them. We're less interested in reading the scriptures. We're less interested in knowing what our constitution says. Ryanga printed 100 copies. More than half are still there. We are more than 300 members. We should be complaining that there were too few. Please get a copy. And you will find in the Constitution your privileges as members as well as your duties. Please buy a copy. Don't be like typical Zambians who do not know even what the Constitution says unless somebody says it to us. But here is one of those privileges, the member's privilege, to call for the elders to pray for them. Call for the elders to pray for them. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? The word translated sick is the word weak. And the discussion is, is this a weakness brought about by sin, as later on referred to? Or is this a physical weakness? The translators and commentators are inclined to argue it's a reference to physical weakness because of what follows. Is anyone among you sick or weak? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up inclination is that this is sickness, physical sickness, and the raising up is the causing the person who is unwell to recover. The second argument is as strong. The argument is that this is actually moral weakness, and the raising up of this person is on the day when the Lord comes. So this has to do with eschatology, the coming of Christ. And this raising up is raising such a one from the dead. But as I've indicated, but that many are persuaded, and the reason for the translation, seek. This is physical sickness. 
and eschatology is dealt with later on in terms of condemnation. And I would like to view it from that perspective of physical sickness, acknowledging there is an argument of a spiritual weakness. Some caution regarding some misunderstandings of James, chapter 5, verse 15. In the context of this prayer, we, we need to put this in the right context. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. Does that verse mean that every single time the elders will pray, the person will be healed? Now, all you need is to read the scriptures in its fullness. And the answer will be, that's not the implication. That simply promise that God does answer prayer, including praying for the sick and they recover. But also, that this is the verse where a doctrine that is taught uh, by the Roman Catholic Church that is called extreme unction. A preparation that just before you die, the priests can come and pray for you and you'll be extricated from a place of condemnation into heaven. That's not what the verse is teaching. This is not teaching that you can pray and you're removed from purgatory. Uh, the verse will have been misunderstood. So the verse is not an absolute and an all-time healings after prayer. The verse is not an absolute and an all-time healings after prayer. Philippians chapter 2, 27, 2 Timothy 4, 20 will tell us that while James was writing, there were situations, the apostle Paul being the apostle himself, through whom God worked miracles and healed many, he left some sick. And he wrote about it. So I, wrote the, I left this brother sick, continued to pray for them. And if he was an apostle, we do trust he prayed for them. And the implication is they were not immediately healed. So neither the apostle Paul nor James would say every time, every time, the elders offer prayer, or not even every time the apostles prayed was a person healed. The verse, secondly, is not discussing miraculous or extraordinary gifts as discussed in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. So this is not discussing extraordinary gifts. It is a reference, if I may say, to an ordinary office in the church, to ordinary men with ordinary gifts. Just in case I am wrong, we need to verify this. Amuila, you have these supernatural, extraordinary healing gifts. He's laughing. And he's saying, even when you're asking, you know the answer. Maybe Bashila Luka, where is he? The new entrance. Uh, is looking at you saying, here is the brother who has this. That's not what this verse is discussing. It's not discussing 
extraordinary, supernatural, spiritual gifts as discussed in 1 Corinthians 12. That's not the subject here. The subject is simply a duty for the men in the office of elder who, when they are called upon, they will come and pray. Having hopefully stated briefly what the verse does not mean or is not discussing, what then is the privilege? It's absolutely explicit. Let him call. Let him call. Now the him is actually an inclusive let him or her. It's a congregation. And in the congregation are not only men, but that these congregation, these members of this local church, members of this assembly, when they are sick, when one of them is sick, call for the elders. Now, in terms of the arrangement of the text, and I say this to drive home when we come to the application, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. But there is a vagueness to the verse. And the vagueness to the verse that the responsibility to call is not exclusively for the person who is sick. It's not exclusive that the members of this congregation can actually call and say, a sister, brother, daughter, son is not well. And therefore, because I belong, we belong, would want the elders to come. But the privilege is simply this. The members calling elders to pray for them. The members calling for the elders to pray for them. And this does not exempt the members Praying, It's already stated, and as you read later, they all must pray, but this is the privilege. We need to use a strong word. This is their right. They can call. And the word used in the text, calling, has the strength of summon them. And when you're served with the summons by the courts of the law, not to respond is contemptuous. That's the strength of that word. It's not simply say, Bamwila and he's walking to the car, even though he's heard, he pretends he hasn't heard. No, this is an official summons. Because of your duty, come. That's a privilege of the members. The members have a privilege which they must regularly, without hesitation, use. Remember Vundola Baptist Church? You're going through some situation, not only simply physical sickness, maybe things are not going well. And you need the elders to come and say, look, let's pray for this situation. You have that right as a member of this local church. In accepting to come in the eldership, has as of the moment we inducted them, 
are saying, call any time, we will come. I think there were some members you didn't like. Begin to like them now. If there are members you looked at and thought, that's past. When they do call, you cannot begin to think, yeah, this member also. No, your duty as far as the text is concerned implies be on your quick march and go and pray for them. Calling for the elders to pray for them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Therefore, beloved, it is disheartening in this local church, I'll speak for myself, that many times, many times, and I literally mean many times, you are sick and have no idea. I meet you two weeks later. I ask, how are you in ShopRite? And that's when you say, I, I am good now. I almost died. And a number of you have had a question I repeatedly ask. Do you have a phone? Is it working? Uh, do you have talk time? Because if you don't, I can share 20 kwacha talk time with you for you to inform me you are sick. It's your duty. It's your privilege. Make the elders work. Not just carry the title as a prestigious title. Elders a piece. So meanwhile, in five years, he's never prayed for no one because no one has summoned him. The water is It's your privilege. It's your privilege. We, we blame Pentecostals sometimes for overdoing. Well, this is probably one area they are masters of doing. I'm not saying we'll do those things. I'm giving them as examples, just in case you say, but that's what you said. If this was a Pentecostal church, after this sermon, I would be saying, if there is anyone sick, come where? To the front, there is anointing oil. Now, when that is done, it's not necessarily sinful. Maybe once in a while it should be done. When we say, look, if you're not well, come we pray together. That's what elders do. But the members who know their rights, their privileges, call on these elders. You know, sometimes... The way you call us, you, you are apologetic. You phone at 9.21 hours, uh, Pastor, I am very sorry. You know, I, am, I don't know which side today I woke up, but you see, on the sinful side, and that's the reason I called you, my daughter is not well. And in my heart, I'm thinking, why are you apologizing? Why are you apologizing? Well, in my case, isn't that the reason you pay me? Isn't it? Look at the text. Just in case you're not looking at look at the text. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders 
not of the presbytery, not of the constituency, not the elders of the nation. The elders, if you're looking at the text, the elders from where? Are you seeing the text? The church. But notice again what the text says. It doesn't so call a profita. The text doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say go to the mountain. It does not say look for some supernaturally gifted T.B. Joshua. It says the elders, the church. Elders. Sure, why we this obsession of somebody with the tricks and do all kinds of somersault, even if it's all nonsense, we go to them. And our own elders, because we know their weaknesses, not The text knows they are not perfect. The text knows they are human. And we'll be seen soon seeing this Elijah was a man. With a nature like ours. We are Baptists. Says elders. Not prophetas. I'm not sure where we pronounce it wrong. Let's call them prophets. The question is, were they true or false? That you can fill in the blanks. But call for the elders of the church. Now, the one who is writing in terms of a human author, it's James, the brother of who? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. And when he is writing, the apostles are still alive, most of them. Look at the dates of writing and look at when the last apostle died. Some of them are still alive because the apostle Paul says of him, he was considered one of the pillars of the church. He's writing when apostles are unquestionably there. He's writing when prophets are unquestionably in the church there. But he does not say, call the apostles. He does not say, call the prophets. Does not say call the extraordinarily gifted men and women. He says call for the elders of the church. It's your privilege. So the verse is both an encouragement but a rebuke. Sometimes of the view we have of elders. The scripture position and the spiritual responsibility of these men is a lofty one. Is a lofty one. The Lord knows that they are men, but it is the men to whom he has delegated this duty of shepherding the flock, and that includes praying for the flock. It is your privilege to call for the elders to pray for you. They are not doing you a favor. It is your right as a member which you must ask for not only when and where, but as long and as much as prayer is needed. 
you do not need to pay me anything when I come to pray for you. Passages that are used uh, do not come to the prophet or the man of God empty-ended. This text doesn't supply anything like that. Sometimes as members, you get to sense this either because we see it or some form of guilt when you call pastor. It's okay to simply look, I just called you to pray for me or for my child or for my cousin, for my wife or for my grandmother. And since that is done, goodbye, see you tomorrow, travel well. I will very happily go out, jump in my Hilux, hopefully to be riding, get home. Nobody will be told, Mulibatani, ah ah, you didn't call me to drink Coca Cola. You called the elders to pray. The verb means to summon, and has something of an official sense to it. One of the tasks of elders in the local church is to pray for the sick when they are called to do so. Now, again, the text is not implying that when the elders are not called, they must not pray. You just need to read other portions of God's word. But that is in an official sense, but it's not saying the elders can only and should only pray when they are called to do so. Anoint with oil, what does it mean very quickly? Not first anointing with oil is an accompaniment, is a supplement is auxiliary to prayer. It is a secondary matter, not the primary issue. The primary element is praying. And you can find some of these uses of oil in the Old Testament in the Jewish culture. Some of it was primarily medicinal. Some of it was simply to soothe somebody. It simply bring some kind of relief and comfort. And in other times, it was used as a symbolism of anointing or unction, the work of the Holy Spirit. The text doesn't tell us in what sense it is being used. Is it being applied as medicine and then prayer is offered so that this oil would work? Is it being applied as the symbolism that the Holy Spirit, the God was promised, is going to work through this? Is it being applied to soothe the pain of the person who is going through this, whatever the use is, it is either symbolic or it's simply an accompaniment. What is being called for in the text? It's praying. It's praying. And that is what is important. One of the most appropriate and proper response to the situation of sickness by Christians is to call for the elders of the church to pray for them. One of the most appropriate and proper response to the situation of sickness by Christians is to call for the elders of the church to pray for them. The immediate context of instruction to the individual in a particular crisis strongly suggests it's the elders of a particular local church in view. Not the universal, not the national, but the context argues it's the elders of the local church that are being referred to here. The condition which prompts calling for the elders may be a physical weakness, 
sickness or moral sickness. The verb translated sick, I've already indicated, or infirmity means to be weak as in some limb or body organ. But it is the same word, for example, used in Romans 4 verse 19. In reference to Abraham, we read, without weakening in his faith. It is that same word used here for seek that is used in the context of Abraham referring to his moral or spiritual standing. He did not weaken in the faith. It is the same word used in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 7, verse 11 and 12. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to an idol and since their conscience is weak, since their conscience is sick, it is defiled. Again, the point I'm making that that same word, uh, what determines its translation is the context. And here the context implies physical sickness. In other situations, moral sickness. The context in this verse inclines to physical affliction because of sin, directly or simply because of normal afflictions of this world. Well, lastly, the duty has been referred to the elders' duty to respond to the members' need for prayers. To pray for the person needing prayer. The actions of the elders indicate their specific but not the only Christian function. What we have in this verse is not the special gift of healing, but simply the duty of elders to pray. So the duty is to pray for the persons needing prayer. Secondly, in that same context, is to respond discerningly to the call for prayer. Because the context might suggest there is sin involved. It says if there is sin involved, confession must be done. When the elders are called to pray, they must discern what they are going to pray for. Whether simply praying for the sickness without a moral implication or whether they need to deal with a moral situation as well. James does imply in this passage that sickness that is caused by sin can be alleviated through confession and prayer for healing. The link of physical sickness to sin sometimes emphasizes the interrelatedness of body and soul and God's concern for both. Respond with wise promptness is the th third duty for the elders. To pray for the person, to respond discerningly to the call of prayer, but to respond with wise promptitude or quickness to the call to pray for the weak, the sick brother or sister. The point here is simply this in a general responsibility that the office of elders has duties. And beloved, it's our responsibility to do those duties in shepherding for the church of God. And then he quickly tells us the secret to effective prayer, both for elders and members. A secret to effective, or what the NIV calls powerful prayer. What's the secret? It is prayer that is invoked in the authority and the power of God. Verse 14, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray for 
over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, in that authority. Prayer of faith or prayer offered in faith is prayer that expresses truth in God and flows from deep commitment to God. Now, beloved, particularly as elders, as we pray for the sick and as we pray for situations, be sensitive to God's leading. Be sensitive. There are times God does lead you this way that you'll impress it very strongly on your heart that there is going to be a healing. Well, pray boldly if that's what God is saying to you. If God is saying to you the situation will be overturned tomorrow, well, pray like that. Don't shy away from doing your duty. God will impress it on your heart, communicate to you in sovereign ways he chooses to do. But even if he does not, we have biblical objective instructions to pray. It's praying from a righteous heart. Prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Chapter 5, verse 16. He's praying done in earnest. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly or fervently that it would not rain and did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Elijah is being given as a powerful example to assert emphatically the effectiveness of prayer by common human beings. Elijah was simply another human being like all those in the congregation reading the epistle from James. He was not a heavenly being or a supernatural spiritual being who stood in a class of only a few. Listen to the text, verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently, and the Lord heard him. That which warrants Elijah to be this powerful example was his trusting fervency in prayer. All this being true, it must always be understood that the effectiveness of prayer must always be acknowledged as an act of God. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the orders of the church. They must pray for and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him. Your privilege, summon the elders when you're in a situation. Our duty as elders respond to the summons and the rest will trust God to do. Amen.